The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an emergency edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, joined by the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis, and we are also joined by our friend, Beeflo from the 108 as we are streaming live at 8 p.m. Central Time on Friday night, December 16th, because we have nothing better else to do on a Friday night. But the White Sox made some news after mocking them for more than a month, not doing anything this offseason. They finally came through. Uh, Big time news. Andrew Benatendi signs with the Chicago White Sox. And it is the largest free agent contract in White Sox history. Five years, $75 million guaranteed for Ben attending to most likely play left field for the Chicago White Sox. And we'll talk about as far as the contract. We'll talk about how Ben attendee helps the White Sox. We'll also address maybe some of our concerns and what the red flags are with this signing. And we'll also take a look at what could be coming next for the White Sox this offseason for those that are watching the live stream on our youtube page at youtube.com machine if you guys have questions or comments you want to share your thoughts about the andrew Benatendi signing you can put them in the comment section let's pretend this is twitter space but with video uh as elon musk has taken away twitter space from me jim i am very heartbroken <laughs> about that uh, but Jim, I'll, I'll start with you andrew Benatendi. five years 75 million dollars what is your initial thought of this signing? Uh, thank goodness for Aaron Judge picking the uh, Yankees over the Giants, or else uh, the, the complexion of the free agent pick'em contest would be considerably different. So yeah, bring up that graphic. So there we go. They would have had the tiebreaker over us. So, woo! Uh, <laughs> as for Benintendi himself, I find myself having to separate the player from the timing and the money because it feels like the player is all right the player does what he's supposed to do for this white Sox lineup it's just a little 
sad like you know that he is the biggest contract in white Sox history for like an okay player like you know it's just you know it's not so much that the white Sox wanted to spend the money it's that they had to to get an adequate left fielder uh it's also a case where like you know if ben Intendi is the biggest move and you know maybe he won't be but i'm guessing he will be um it, it does signal that they feel like it's still tim anderson aloy jimenez Juan Moncada, uh you know uh Andrew Vaughn stepping up like just the the incumbents are going to be the ones carrying the load and Benintendi is going to be taking a supporting role like you know, Brandon Nemo type uh, any of the shortstop signing they would be like okay we're gonna try to really push ourselves like they're gonna be the guys to give this this core a push Benintendi doesn't seem like he's that type unless he can really take advantage of the jet stream out to right field uh, in a way that uh, you know the stat cast says he might be able to but I think just right now uh, he looks like a guy who's just supposed to be filling a hole so that the White Sox are not undermined by a position that could have been fixed uh, in the offseason. Beef Loaf, on your guys' show, because you streamed last night, you yes. were talking about the outfield options for the White Sox and just the, the free agent options. Everyone's doing this. Everyone that covers the White Sox before today, we're all wondering when you look at the free agent list that the options are dwindling very quickly and if they're going to make a splash or they're going to sign anyone they they have to act pretty soon and of course they act the very next day or the the gears were already in motion for the white Sox to sign this i'm sure this is not something they just woke up today and decided you know what we're going to sign andrew ben attendee uh, for five <laughs> years but in your guys' show you're one of those that's not like super excited about this addition for the White Sox. What are your thoughts about Andrew Benatendi beef? I mean, in general, I, I, I kind of agree with Jim. There's not, absolutely nothing wrong with the player, but there's nothing really to excite you about the player either. There's no uh, huge carrying tool. Um, he does a few things well that the White Sox really need. Like he has a high walk rate for now. Uh, and the White Sox really were lacking that. But a lot of the things that he does well are things the White Sox already did well in 2022. They didn't strike out a lot. They hit a ton of singles and got on base kind of that way. Uh, you know, he at this point in his career, he doesn't hit for power. The White Sox didn't hit for power last year. So a lot of the things that he does are redundant to the things that the White Sox were already doing last year and having a, a, a fairly poor offense doing so. So I'm I'm pretty like... Uh, feeling very mediocre about this. I'm happy to plug in a two-win player wherever you can. Like, I think always think that's a good idea. And I'm also happy that they're actually shoving the money out there. Like, I, to me, that some of the key is just getting comfortable with the market and saying, yes, we are going to play in this market. And yeah, I know it's only a two-win player, but we're going to give this person $15 million a year. To me, that's a really good sign that they're, they're, the, there's a willingness to do that. And I don't know if that's, if that's Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams kind of pulling on the chairman or the chairman pushing them you guys have been too inactive go out there and do something i don't care but get the money out in the marketplace and, and so i'm very happy with that part but uh as the player is uh, just kind of a boring player doesn't you know does a, a bunch of things okay and then, then that's kind of it that's what he does i believe you called andrew benatendi uh quote the jennifer gardner of major league baseball <laughs> in, in your guys' show why are we slamming alias like <laughs> <what's your laughs> well, there's a new wallet, seventy-five million dollars. Boom. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Well, my, my thought there was, you know, I, I think to a certain segment of the population, uh, Andrew Benintendi looks much more appetizing than uh, he does to me. To me, he just looks like kind of a vanilla player. When I look at the commodities that come out of an Andrew Benintendi, like a lot of people are going to point to 
oh, okay, well, he's a, he's a league average left fielder, so that's great. That's plugging in a spot where we had terrible defense. But yes, any of the signings kind of would have been that. It would have been tough to like be as bad as you already were on defense. I'm looking for something that's really pushing the, the, the team in the right direction. And for me, it's only the walk rate at this point, just looking at kind of the profile. I guess, I guess one other nice thing is uh, looking at last year at StatCast, uh, every, every pitch type, he basically hit for average. So that's kind of a good sign that in an, in an offense where sometimes they're lacking, depending on the matchup, uh, you know, he, he should be a steady force in there even if he's nothing fantastic. Jim, you wrote about this on SoxMachine.com in the, the post announcing the signing. Oftentimes when we look at the players of White Sox sign, they need a caddy is what you would call it. They need some type of platoon player to help them out. A great example would have been if the White Sox accomplished one of my one of my ideas, Colton Juan, if they traded for him before the Brewers sent him to Seattle. Gold Juan would need a caddy uh, against left-handed pitching because Juan can't hit left-handed pitching. That doesn't necessarily seem to be the case for Ben Attendee against lefties that he still does a good enough job contact and drawing walks. There's not a lot of power, but you can still have him in the lineup even against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I would say two kinds of caddies. One is the lefty-righty. The other is defensive replacement late in games. Like, yeah, there's a lot of players who just need help to be uh, to round out like nine innings of effectiveness. And he is not that guy. Like he can play a full game no matter what. Like maybe you don't want him in against a lefty late in a game when you really need an extra base hit or a home run. Like if you're trying to sell out for power in a certain situation, he really hasn't shown the ability to turn around left-handed pitching or at least hit him with authority, but he gets on base. Like he seems like somebody who should bat. You could say like in the right lineup, if you're going like righty lefty, uh, you could have him batting second in a lineup against righties against uh, left-handed pitching. You might want him batting eighth. So that way, like, if he gets on base, he can uh, be on base for Tim Anderson coming up. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a, that, that right-handed heavy nature lineup will, will come through against the lefty. So he, there are ways to play him no matter what. Uh, you know, he's fine defensively. Like, I think people had higher hopes for him defensively, like being uh, somebody who could play center feasibly well and maybe right field, but it really seems like left field is home, so you have to settle for that. But that's okay because uh, Oscar Colas should be a plus right fielder in time. Like maybe I'm, I'm counting him to be average just because it might take him a while to just get an idea of reads in, in the league and just, you know, exit velocities, wind patterns, et cetera. But he should be fine in right field for the foreseeable future. So left field is fine for him. Uh, you know, the, the fact that he hits righties better than lefties, like I think there's like 130 OPS uh, point OPS split. That's better than somebody who, who would be like 730 against no matter who, just because the White Sox need somebody with a defined strength against righty. So he does seem to be that guy versus AJ Pollock last year, who was a righty who hit righties better, but then when that disappeared, he had nothing. So this feels like a little bit more, uh, you know, sustainable, tangible, expectable than, than what Pollock, you know, carried into last year. And, and I'm hoping that the, the rug won't be pulled out from under us and the White Sox in a similar way that Pollock just kind of showed up and provided very little. And lost me a steak dinner bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ben Attendee again hit 304 last year with a 373 on base percentage. Slugged a little below 400 at 399 with just five home runs and 51 RBIs. According to fan graphs, he's a 2.8 war player. Looking at the 2023 projections, this is via Steamer. Steamer is projected Andrew Benatendi to be a 268 hitter with a 338 on base percentage, slugging 409, so an OPS drop. 
from Ben Attendee in 2023. An increase in home runs to 13 home runs, an increase in RBIs to 62. But as both Jim and Beef Wolf have mentioned, still around a two-war player, 2.3 for Andrew Benatendi, and that is his 50th percentile projection. When it comes to Benatendi, it's so easy to draw the storyline, Beef, to the new manager of the Chicago White Sox, Pedro Grafal. And for any new manager that steps into a clubhouse, I think they need some type of ally uh, to help back them up with any of the messaging that's being shared in the clubhouse, especially when the White Sox start out in spring training, which is funny because Grafal has, he says the same things that every new manager that comes in, we're going to have a heightened focus during spring training. We're going to have drills running in real time and game time. And every White Sox veteran has decided, you know what? I'm going to play in the world baseball classic. Uh, so a lot of the White Sox <laughs> veterans are not even going to be part of spring training, but Andrew Benatendi has had that past experience with Pedro Grafal. Do you think that will help the transition of Grafal in his first year managing the White Sox, managing someone that he has been coaching the last few years in Kansas City? You know, I hope so. I, I hope that there there's uh, some synergies there and that uh, Andrew's communication with his teammates will kind of kind of help Pedro in that spot. But you never know. You never know if there was even much of a relationship. You know, some some players do gravitate towards particular coaches and other ones don't and some stay on their own. Uh, and my guess would be, uh, you know, the guy's a professional and at, at worst, he probably won't make any waves. But hopefully there is some sort of connection there. And he's able to get people familiar with the way he does it or be the old the old vet that just sort of smiles and laughs and talks to the other vets. Yeah, this is what he's going to do to us for a while, but, you know, we'll we'll be fine and we get through this uh, tough part of camp or something like that. So I'm hopeful for that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, just looking through the comments right now during the stream, there's a lot of people that are mentioning the five years. Jim, that is the thing that surprised me the most with Benetton. Got to stay under the luxury tax. Got to stay under the luxury tax. We just <laughs> we just had this conversation, right? Like the, this is what teams are doing. And Beef, you even wrote about this in 2020 as well for your guys' blog that did, yes. this is really not a new concept. What is new is like seeing multiple 11-year deals or even a 13-year contract, signing players to that are like age 40. Uh, that that is a bit odd uh, to see multiple of those types of contracts in, in one off season. I, I think that w- that's what's drawing a lot of attention, but five years for Andrew Benatendi, it it's somewhat making me rethink and what the near future holds for the white Sox, Jim, because at the same time that the white Sox, the news was coming out that Andrew Benatendi signing with the white Sox, the Minnesota twins signed Joey Gallo, now, Joey Gallo, we, we talked about that rumor and that hypothetical uh, of him joining the Chicago White Sox. It's a one-year contract for $11 million. If you told me two days ago that Andrew Benintendi is going to sign for five years, $75 million, and Joey Gallo is going to sign for one year, $11 million, guess which one signs with the White Sox? A hundred times <laughs> I would have said Joey Gallo. Because it makes sense with what we could be possibly seeing in 2024 with the White Sox shedding payroll, maybe entering into some reload or rebuild phase of the franchise, Jim. But what do you make of this five years? You mentioned that you have to separate the two. Like, does this change the way the White Sox may even look at 2024 as well? It gives them some continuity because when you look at the outfield, like, there isn't an outfield. We've talked about it before. Like it's Luis Roberts and half of Aloy Jimenez and maybe like a quarter of Gavin Sheets. And that's really the outfield at this point. So they needed somebody who, you know, you could feel comfortable starting. I mean, Colas is coming up, you figure. So he's there, but you also want to provide some cushion like to where if he doesn't do well his first time up, like that's forgivable. Like you don't want the entire uh, rebuild, uh, rebuild or rebuild uh, or or continue to contend decision hinging on the first two months of Oscar Colas. So it's good to have like some insurance there. And, but even beyond like this year, it's still like Robert still Colas, but then left field is just, there's, there are no heir apparents, uh, especially if Jimenez is going to be at the DH from here on out. I, I don't see him getting better or safer in left field. I don't, I, I think sheets probably peaked in right field. And I thought it was funny that uh, the bill James handbook said that he was the fifth most likely to get hurt. Uh, <laughs> just injury risk. And which is funny just because like his history, just he's always been healthy and available. And that's one of, been one of his strengths is that like, you can set him down and he'll come right back up because he's going to be healthy for it. But you watch him throw his body around sometimes in right field. And that's just, that's like a loud thud. Like I could hear that through the TV. So just, you have to imagine like, you know, they maybe saw the same things. So uh, it does give them the ability to just, you know, 
have a left fielder they don't have to worry about it. they don't have to keep trying to go into the market and find somebody who can hit righties like i think they're that's that's really the uh uh the struggle there so i think it's fine the the it knocks the average annual value to uh 15 million we'll see how it breaks down but just like that's gonna be fine in the books if you look years ahead uh, at least normal teams normal like you know top half money teams uh we'll look at 15 million like one guy making 15 million and say like yeah that's fine we can spend around it we can we can trade them for somebody else's bad contract uh we can just dfam like it'll be fine in uh 2026 if we don't like it like we'll, we'll move on we did get this question in the youtube comments section from billy wires and it's it's appropriate beef so don't be too concerned uh, <laughs> billy Billy wrote, is this it for the outfield or can one dream of Michael Conforto in right field too? beef? Do you think this is it for the White Sox outfield with the Ben signing? I, I mean, I think uh, I agree with Billy. I would love to, for them to go back in that direction. And the reason being Jim uh, uh, set the table nicely that they, they did want to have a mainstay here. Right. And that's why they were willing to choose the guy who won was probably going to take a long-term deal. Some of these guys want shorter deals to reset their marketplaces and two, they were willing to go with a guy who is left field only. Like, if you look at uh, Benintendi hasn't played another outfield position since 2019. So you're really buying a left fielder for the long term here. And so it's like, okay, you're going to settle on that one. Where some of these other guys, Conforto being one of them as well, they're looking to reset their markets. So they're going to take these shorter term deals, uh, opt out deals. I wish they would. I wish they would spend whatever remaining money they, they have in the open up the purse strings and, and throw it at uh, Michael Conforto and set the lineup there so you give Ostercola some chance to, if it doesn't work out, you know, that you have something there, some option. Because you're right, there's no one coming up in, in the minors. Now, the only concern there for me, if you do go in that direction, which would be great for the everyday lineup, I still don't see the guy on the roster or even really in the minors who, if Luis Robert is down for a few weeks, a month, who can play center field. I don't think that guy, I mean, Larry Garcia, I, I don't want it to be Larry. I, I feel bad for Larry Garcia. He gets too much hate. But, you know, I would like it to be, I'd like a competent uh, outfielder that could take that spot. But, yes, that's where I'd be shooting. I'd, I'd, I'd shoot a corner outfielder again, a guy with a high walk rate. This guy has power, though, at least, Conforto, and the White Sox are dying for power. I would love to go in that direction. Now, that would be an interesting configuration, the outfield, Jim, having Benatendi, Robert, and Conforto. And... As Beef mentioned, yeah, there's the injury risk, but we always talk about boom and bust. And I know as, as White Sox fans and for mm -hmm. us that's been covering the White Sox for years, seven out of 10 times it's going to bust. But if you are looking to try to compete with the Yankees and Astros this year, if you truly have World Series dreams, I think I would beef here and I'm with Billy. Why not? Why not take it one step further I'm sure we'll still see Oscar Colas this year at some point in 2023 because guys get hurt, but why not take that extra step? But if you exceed the luxury tax, that's fine. It's not that great of a penalty and take the risk of signing Michael Conforto guys get hurt. <laughs> that's news to me. Uh, basically stay healthy. Um, Pretty yeah, much. this I think now the Conforto deal makes more sense. Like if Conforto mm. were, the one outfield signing if Joey Gallo were the one outfield signing uh that's a lot to risk like 
the position you sorely needed uh, in the hands of a guy who might not be healthy or uh, in, in Gallo's case just might be broken or like a fundamentally uh, just flawed player who generates the uh, the most perverted 0.9 war possible. Uh, so th that's why I didn't really care for those two signings in a vacuum. But like now that you have that that stable, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, the stable presence there in left field is not going to excite you, but at least is not going to be even like when Benintendi's had down years, they've been playable. They've been, uh, you know, he's not been the one killing a team unless you're counting on like a breakout. But I think now that you, everybody has set their expectations accordingly, he shouldn't be in a position to, to, to break a team. Uh, whereas Conforto could, if you were on his own, but now that, you know, Benintendi is there. Sure. Like, you know, you know, I guess we'll see what his price is. Bellinger was in the same um, boat and, and I liked him better as like an additional signing, just somebody to like make Colas earn it. You know, we had this discussion back in uh, 2020 with Andrew Vaughn or, or 2021 rather with Andrew Vaughn and just being like more bats and spots, block them. Uh, you know, you know, what if he's blocked? Who cares? The Dodgers block all their guys all the time. Like that's, that's what you have to like, just uh, get past the idea of like, pieces neatly fitting into place and just be more like guys get hurt. Uh, some guys stumble, some, you know, sometimes you play, that's when you play guys out of position to get all the bats in. You don't play guys out of position because like, Oh my God, there's nobody else, uh, which is where <laughs> they've you know, gone for Jake Berger at second and such like, you know, so I would like to see a case where if they do go back to that, well, sure. Block Colas, you know, block him for a couple of months, make him, uh, you know, if Robert gets hurt, that might be your center fielder. He's not a good center fielder, but he's played it like the White Sox have played him there as much as they played him in right. So, you know, that might be the guy who, if Robert gets hurt uh, once again, plug him in, just see, see how he does. Like it, that's what I want to see more bats than spots. Finally, uh, second base. I think there are enough internal options to where you can cycle through and find one that doesn't kill you. But yeah, I, I think left field Benintendi solves that. Whereas, uh, you know, having the entire year hinge on Conforto or Gallo or Bellinger being the guy would have been pretty brutal. And I think like, just, you know, it, it's the kind of situation where if, if it worked out as poorly as he thought, you look at the year and, and say like, how could we have expected that to work with mm -hmm. Ben Intendi, Like, you know, if he hits his projections two to three wins, like, yeah, we expected that. And, and it's going to be everybody else's fault. I think that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. We did get this question and it comes from David. Will Aloy Jimenez be permanent DH? David, I hope so. I, I really do. And I don't think, I, I think he's still going to get starts in left field beef. I, I still think Aloy may get, 20 starts this year out in the outfield. So don't completely give up your outfield glove. I, I think Eloy just needs to understand that that's how he gets hurt. It's when he's in defense mode, uh, the majority of the time and they need to protect him because when he came back and he was mostly the permanent DH at the end of 2022, Eloy Jimenez was raking like, if you're looking at the white Sox collection of hitters, who's the most likely to have a 900 OPS it's Aloy, and you need him in this lineup every single day. So I, I think with this signing with Ben Attendee, being a left fielder, as you mentioned, Beef, Aloy should be the everyday DH, right? I agree, and, and, and I think we noticed in the second half last year, he wasn't entirely healthy, and that was part of the reason why they were DHing him, right? He kind of wasn't – he was 70 75%. But it almost looked like it allowed him to just focus on his craft of hitting and not worry about any of the extraneous things that go along. I think for him, that's a lot of work, a lot of mental work to play left field. 
and it was a lot less for him to be the DH, just focus in on hitting, because you saw the walk rate popped up. He started laying off all the bad pitches he would always swing at. He's hit a little less ground balls. I'd love him to hit the ball in the air a little bit more, but like a lot of the things that you thought Eloy Jimenez, like when you watch AAA Eloy Jimenez, you're like, oh, he's going to be a monster. That's what it looked like in the second half. And so why move him from that spot? Why add more to his plate? Just allow him to be that guy. The White Sox need that guy desperately. They really do. They Again, if there's anyone in this lineup that can hit 40-plus home runs, I still feel like it's Aloy Jimenez. And I, I feel like if he plays more than 150 games, he's got an honest shot to go after Elber Bell's record. Like, I've, I'm still high on Aloy Jimenez's offensive ability. Just the fewer games that he's on the outfield, Jim, uh, the better for him and the White Sox. And I know it's something that he doesn't want to hear. And I know Pedro Grafal has already mentioned that Aloy's going to get some practice time in spring training and in spring training games in left field no. because he, I know that's uh, what happened. <laughs> that's, 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 that's how he misses six months. Uh, Pedro, let, <laughs> let's, let's be mindful of this. Uh, but you weren't I, there. <laughs> you see him dunk the left field wall in a meaningless free training game. We were there. Uh, but it, it does make sense. That I guess if Aloy's your permanent DH or he's getting most of the DH at bats and he's good against right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching so he can be in the lineup against whomever. Like, what do you do with Gavin Sheets at the moment? Is Gavin Sheets the odd man out here? He's, you know, I think he played a corner spot well enough. We'll see how the bench shapes up. But right now there is a possibility of like bench power. Like he seems like the bench power guy um, could also be maybe traded. Like if you feel good about Andrew Vaughn being at first base and feel like he can finally survive a six month grind now that he's not expected to run. Um, although I still get Carlos Rodon vibes from like, you know, just you didn't give him time to actually survive a five month grind. Then you throw him in the six month end. Uh that's uh, still kind of an open question to me, but right now it seems like he's good depth. Like it's bad for his individual development. Cause right now I think he just kind of gets limited to, you know, righties, maybe playing some first base, um, you know, not playing much outfield, some DH spots here and there, especially if Jimenez is playing and uh, you know, only DH and he's likely to play like more games. Uh, it does freeze him out. But I think, you know, right now, you know, I think he played right field or corner spot well enough to stand out there once in a while. Uh, so if you need to get by for a week, he can do that. Uh, he can get by at first base if you need him to. And I think he's just going to be filling gaps here and there, uh, which is fine. It's just, you know, when it comes to Gavin Sheets himself, he might not be fine with it. Um, but, you know, he probably needs one one more year of service time and one more year of, like, getting through before, like, uh, he can complain about it <laughs> or, like, look for another job, you know, you know, have his agent softly inquire about trades. Like if he needs just to play. Uh, but this year, I think, you know, given how often they got hurt last year, I don't think anybody on the 40 man roster should count themselves out from, you know, uh, a serious amount of playing time. Just it's not there for him right now. So naturally with Andrew Benatendi signing with the Chicago White Sox and being plugged into left field for at least the next five years uh, for $75 million. We'll see where he bats in the lineup, but I'm with you beef. And I think you mentioned as well, Jim, that batting him second behind Tim Anderson is a pretty good idea to put uh, the on-base percentage guys ahead of Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal and drop uh, Yohan Mikata further down the lineup uh, where he could still figure out what kind of hitter that he's going to be at the plate in 2023. As I'm sure he'll go through with so, some adjustments. But naturally, the next question is for White Sox fans. Okay, great. 
you spent some money, but what's next? What are the White Sox going to do? There's still some holes in this roster or some areas of improvement. We talked about Michael Conforto and possibly in right field. Beef, where do you see the what do you see the next move being for the White Sox, or are they truly done on December 16th? I don't think they're done, but it's I, for me, it's undoubtedly an outfielder. It's either an impact player in right field, like Michael Conforto we're talking about, or some speedy guy, uh, bench outfielder that can handle center field and can be a pinch runner for uh, for this team. So I'm thinking uh, probably a righty too, if if you're penciling in Oscar Colas to have the both of the corners hitting lefty and only Luis Robert hitting righty. I mean, I'm thinking uh, these guys that will not excite you may even make you vomit. But someone like uh, Albert Almora Jr. or Brett Phillips or someone that's can run, can, we know that can play the position, they're just an above-average defensive guy, and they're not above 30. Like, the, th- the center fielders start dying when they get above 30. You know, they get their wing. And we saw uh, Lorenzo Cain was the best center fielder in baseball. He got above 30. He got his wings. He, he was gone. He ascended to heaven. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want a guy above 30 to be in that spot. That's why I'm not bringing Adam Engel back. Uh, you know, a, a beautiful caboose on that man, but he's he's finished as far as the beef loaf's concerned in a White Sox uniform. So I would go swimming around in those pools and see who you could find there. I know I saw someone in the comments mention, you know, maybe that's Victor Reyes. I don't know if Victor Reyes is more of a tall drink of water. I'm not sure he has the speed that some of these guys do to really play center, but that's the kind of guy I would grab kind of for this team because you may end up in a spot where, like Jim was mentioning, Gavin Sheets probably ends up on the roster, and when he play, he's playing the outfield, like, he needs a sub. Like, he needs a caddy at, at the end of the game, you know? Like, and, and some of these guys, you might want to run for uh, Eloy Jimenez at the end of a game. And, you know, Larry Garcia does that fine, but it's nice to have a, a, an extra uh, person on the bench that does that. So I'm either thinking someone like Conforto or one of, one of these fleas. Okay. I, I like some of these ideas. Beef, how about you, Jim? What do you think is the next move by the White Sox? I'm looking at the center field list right now just to kind of get an idea who's there. Billy Hamilton. That could be the Billy Hamilton reunion. Too old. Uh, Jake Marisnik. Uh, Jake Marisnik, he's 31. So, yeah, he's he's on the other side and kind of fading. But, like, he might be somebody who – is there a dead cap ounce there or something? Uh, that's the one guy who jumps out to me as a possible fit. Uh, I think it frees up now a lot of interesting possibilities. Like, now that Ben Benintendi is here and the White Sox spent the money – to solve uh, left field. I think, you know, you can still talk about reliever trades. You don't have to, but now I think the leverage is a little bit in the White Sox favor in terms of just, if they're shopping around Hendricks or Graveman or like Lopez or something like that, I think Lopez probably least likely, but still just, um, you know, the, the possibilities I could see them just being like, Oh, we don't have to trade them now. We no longer look like we're, we're desperate for a, an outfielder or a second baseman. Let's see what you got. And I could see the conversations being a lot more free flowing now because they can just move on. They can, they, they, you know, have that uh, position solved and they can theoretically go in with the lineup they have. So I'm curious to see if, you know, I would, I would think that this makes them less likely to deal Hendricks, but also I think just allows them to, it's like buying a car when you don't need one, like walking to a dealer and just being like, you know, if I can drive my car home and not feel bad about it, if I'm not getting the right price, the right vibe, uh, then, you know, that that's the most enjoyable time to buy a car is when you can walk away and not feel bad about it or not feel like, Oh, I need to get something. So I think that's, uh, I wonder if this changes the complexion of the trade talks now that they have that guy that they, you know, I'm not sure if they've swung and miss on other targets or they're waiting for Ben and Tendi all along, but um, it's a case where, yeah, they can, 
they can make some interesting moves now to really like whether it's uh, second base. Like I've heard Glaber Torres mentioned, you know, in a Liam Hendricks deal. Uh, Jared Kelnick, you know, was when somebody floated in the Sox machine uh, comments is more talking about like, well, he just, you know, hasn't clicked. And, you know, maybe the this is the year for the Mariners to sell on him. Like there are some, uh, you know, conversations to be had here that, uh, you know, and I think a wide array of players can be uh, uh, brought in now to where um, they're not counted on. Like if Torres is just the mediocre Torres, the okay Torres, fine. If Kalanick doesn't quite click, fine. You know, you can play for that upside a little bit because Benintendi, theoretically, and I say theoretically, and I knock on wood once again, provides a certainty. <laughs> As someone that has been driving the bus to trade Liam Hendricks for the Chicago White Sox, I am stopping the bus. I think if you're going to make this type of a commitment for Andrew Benatendi, I think the White Sox are leaning towards keeping Liam Hendricks for at least the first half of this season. Now, if things go to hell in the first half, much like it did in 2022, maybe the White Sox change their minds. If the offers get better, as teams get more desperate in trying to add a premium closer again, I draw to everyone's attention to how the 2022 postseason went for a select number of teams. Seattle wishes that they had an elite closer in game one against Houston. Uh, the Blue Jays wish that they had an elite closer against Seattle in the first round. St. Louis as well against the Phillies. Maybe that series plays out differently if they actually hold on to, to game one and they had someone like Liam Hendricks. So I think there's always been plenty of interest, but if you're going to make this type of commitment now to Andrew Benatendi for five years, that I'm starting to feel like the White Sox hold on to Liam Hendricks. But as you mentioned, Jim, it, it still makes sense to trade him uh, depending on the team that's calling and you can wait out to, to get the best deal available but when I had the idea back in October, when I did my offseason plan project, I felt like make a deal with the Dodgers. They have a lot of starting pitching depth. This is how you can address the starting pitching depth. They still have Michael Bush. We don't know what's going on with Dansby Swanson. Ken Rosenthal wrote today for the athletic. The Dodgers are still trying to figure out if they have to pay Trevor Bauer or not. If they don't have to pay Trevor Bauer, then if Dansby Swanson is still available, then his market changes drastically. And maybe even the Dodgers pick up the phone again and call Rick Hahn and be like, hey, we got money. We'll be more than happy to take Liam Hendricks off your hands. Here's Michael Bush, our top 100 prospect that plays second base. Let's make a deal. He bats left-handed. That's what you guys need, right? Let's make a deal. So I I'm curious on how it's going to play out in the next couple of months. But right now, I for someone since Halloween, I've been advocating for the White Sox to trade Liam Hendricks, save on that money, spend that money to address other areas on the roster. Now that you've spent that money in Ben Attendee, if you can hold on to Hendricks without any issues beef, I would feel like the White Sox would hold on to him. But now in the most White Sox way possible, watch, they have to trade Liam Hendricks to pay Andrew Benatendi. They made that investment already. They didn't have the money to do it, but they promised Jerry they would have the money after they traded Liam Hendricks, and now they have to trade Hendricks. Now watch me being raw, and that's actually how it ends up playing out. 
Well, you would get an improvement in another spot, so it, at least it wouldn't be all for naught. But yeah, I agree with you. We we were talking before we went on the air, and I had updated my spreadsheet with the with like kind of the projected payroll, and that payroll is bumping up towards 190 million right now. When you kind of fill in all the spots that uh, that we don't have anyone in currently, with just league minimum uh, salaries, I'm at 188.6. Yeah. The White Sox salary, uh, the payroll is getting very close to uh, 2022 range. Yes, and when you, uh, I'll bring this graphic up again. So these are the best remaining position player free agents. And if you watched uh, one of our videos recently that we put up this morning, actually, uh, before Andrew Redditendi signed, uh, we had a segment on our YouTube channel talking about the best remaining position player free agents. And again, these are steamer war projections. There's no J.D. Martinez because right now Steamer doesn't think J.D. Martinez is going to be better than a one-war player, which at age 36 is pretty shocking, but J.D. Martinez is not exactly aging well. Dansby Swanson is still number one on the list, and Gene Segura is still number two on the list. Elvis Andrews now bumps up to number three on the list, and I feel like he's going to find a home quickly after the Dansby Swanson sweepstakes finally wraps up. There's a lot of interest in Miami in regards to Justin Turner. Uh, so maybe Turner goes from the West coast in Los Angeles out to the East coast in Miami, something to monitor. And again, back to the conversation regarding Michael Conforto, he's the fifth best remaining position player, according to steamer projections and uh Chirizi's guy jerks and Profar. Uh, if the white Sox line Profar, I'd be happy for Chirizi because he got more than one. Correct. Right now I'm feeling <laughs> a, a bit sad for him in the free agent pickup contest. Like let's bring this up again. <laughs> That's a lot of red X's for Cherise. Yeah. Like you got two right beef, you know, big, <laughs> great call on the Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees. Thank you. Uh, the brace for Dansby Swanson. That's really solid too. It's live I'm, right now. I, I'm not feeling good about the Orioles uh, getting Dansby Swanson. I don't feel good, good about the Orioles spending any type of money this off season, which is a surprise. David Peralta still may be an option for the white Sox, uh, a, a bench bat possibility. Uh, but yeah, that's a lot of red X's for Cherizi. Uh, a lot of red X's for him. Stopped on a whammy a lot in this one. <laughs> <laughs> he went bold and uh, he got burned. He got burned. Oh, man. But it'll be interesting to see what the White Sox do. They have addressed the outfield. So the White Sox have at least two outfielders right now uh, Luis Robert Manning center field and Andrew Benatendi out in left field but that will do it for this emergency podcast this emergency socks machine live as we talk about the andrew benatendi signing and uh beef thank you so much for joining us and you can follow beef loaf on twitter he's at mr delicious 13 such a ridiculous twitter handle uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> obviously watch our friends from the 108 on youtube and listen to their podcast as well Go to youtube.com slash from the 108 to watch their excellent content. Their most recent episode is one of our season ticket buddies, Wally Money, a very entertaining gentleman. Uh, I can't wait to watch to see when the switch flips from Walt to Walter uh, during the episode. Uh, but definitely check out their most recent episode that they just published on YouTube. Beef, thank you so much for joining us. Boys, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And uh, Jim will catch up uh, after the weekend to see what else happens uh, in free agency. Maybe a trade. Maybe we get an explanation from Rickon. I doubt it. Uh, but we'll see what the next dominoes fall uh, in the offseason. Yeah, it was nice to have a 
an emergency podcast for like the you know, first time in forever. So great. I know. More of I these. Was getting, I was getting worried. It'd be like February. Like they still haven't done anything. Uh, <laughs> but they finally Lorenzo did. Lorenzo Kane, emergency podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, but again, that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much for watching the live stream. If you didn't get an opportunity to watch the live stream, no worries. We always take the audio version of the recording and upload it to the podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. If you just stumbled across our YouTube page but haven't subscribed to our channel, help us out and subscribe at youtube.com slash Machine as we are inching closer to 1,000 subscribers. So that's our next milestone. And uh, as long as Twitter still exists, you can follow us at Twitter. We are at Socks Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Socks Machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work and would like to help support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash Socks Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more, they get exclusive content, they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Socks Machine swag in the new Socks Machine store, for the first ones to receive it, monthly plans start at $2, or you could save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Socks Machine. Socks Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Beef Loaf and Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. <laughs>